This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, and no bull. April 20th, 2020. A lot of information to share today on various things. Uh, there was only one economic release today from the government, uh, so it was a pretty late day. But the release was eye-opening, jaw-dropping, whatever you want to call it. The Chicago Fed's index of national economic activity was 0.06 in February. Today, the number came out for March, and it was minus 4.19. What does that mean? Well, generally speaking, the number is between about 1 and minus 1. Looks like it's been that way for the last several years. Anything above 0 is expansion, and anything below 0 is contraction. So if it's generally between 1 and minus 1, and we're at minus 4.19 now, it's, uh, wow, massive, massive drop. And it was the lowest reading since March, or it was the lowest reading since 2009. Uh, it says here that 65 of the 85 indicators within the index uh, contributed negatively to the to the index, while 18 made positive contributions. Most of the decline came from production-related indicators, while a significant amount also came from employment-related indicators. So it comes from the Chicago Fed, but it is a an, an index of national activity, national economic activity. So this is for the whole United States. So this is truly devastating numbers. And this was in March. So in April, it's bound to be even worse, if not much worse. So that was really the only economic indicator that came out today. Uh, the uh, next thing I want to talk about is the plunge in oil. I'm sure you're all aware oil plunged today, uh, a massive decline in oil. And it, it led to an actually a negative number, a negative price for the May contract. Now here's the in intricacies of that. What that means is that anybody who has a contract for May delivery is going to actually have to pay to have the oil taken off their hands, or if somebody has a contract, uh, then they will have to pay somebody to take that contract off their hands. So this is obviously because of a massive oversupply in the market. Uh, so it is true that oil went negative on the May contract, but the June contract, the May contract expires tomorrow. So starting Wednesday, the, the new contract, what's called the nearby contract, will be what is quoted in the media and by uh, analysts, and that is sitting at $20 a barrel or so right now. So this negative oil is not going to last very long, at least in terms of the pricing on the contracts. Not, nonetheless, it does show that we are in truly historic times right now. We've never seen a contract go negative on price, ever. So uh, it, it shows that there's really a massive dislocation between supply and demand in the oil market right now. That, of course, is good news for consumers as well as trucking companies and anybody who, who needs to spend money on energy and gas for delivering products. Um, 
so that's that's good news, and that should lead to uh, a decline in prices overall in the economy for the next several months. Next thing up is uh, just want to share something here from my good friend Roger. This is coming from the Financial Times. The global economic outlook is the murkiest in modern history with uncertainty over the coronavirus outbreak's ultimate impact causing wild divergences between forecasts. So basically what this, say, what this is saying is that economists out there are sharing all kinds of forecasts from 5% decline in the first quarter to possibly 30% or 40% decline in the second quarter. Some people have it at 10%. It's just all over the board. So it really is almost impossible to even have a tight range on forecasting what is going to happen with the economy. Uh, so these are unprecedented numbers and unprecedented, unprecedented times we're seeing right now. The IMF last week forecast that the global economy would swing from a 2.9% growth rate in 2019 to a contraction of 3% this year. That's a number that is not going to swing quite as much because it's a it encompasses the entire world, so there won't be quite as much variation. Still, if you're going from almost 3% growth in 2019 to almost 3% decline in 2020, that is a massive, massive shift, massive decline in economic activity for for the globe on average, or for the globe overall, I should say. And that would constitute, they say, the most severe recession since the Great Depression of the 1930s. And that is what I was saying a month ago. The day that the NBA froze their season, for the, for those of you who are, are listening from outside the United States, the NBA is the National Basketball Association in, in the United States, and the day that they suspended their season, I knew that we were going into something very, very bad. It took of a lot of econ other economists and other pundits and analysts almost a month to catch up to my prediction. I predicted right out of the gate, 10 million job losses. And we're already at 22 million in the United States. So I was on the, I was on the front end of the uh, of figuring out what was really happening here. Uh, so it's one reason why you should continue listen to, listening to my podcast and uh, spreading the word. One other thing I wanted to share was a, a note from Walt Disney. Uh, they will stop paying more than 100,000 employees this week, nearly half of its workforce. That is uh, frightening. No, no other way to put it. No other way to put it. Hopefully those people are going to get some help from some of these uh, stimulus measures that are coming out. And now I gotta share something, just something very brief from another email I got. Uh, it basically says that uh, the national average 30-year fixed mortgage rate continues to hover near historic lows. It's at 3.44% today uh, on the latest reading. Um, and another note here that says that uh, the current surge in refinances should help power the recovery because it puts more money in people's pockets. That is true, but the only question is when are they actually going to be able to spend it? So if people are saving money right now on cash-out refis in the mortgage market, um, then there should be a nice uh, pent-up uh, demand, pent-up purchasing power, and pent-up demand for when things finally loosen up a little bit. So that's a little, little shred of good news that we can look forward to. 
Now, uh, update on the coronavirus. A couple of things I want to say here. First of all, taking a look at the statistics. Uh, latest reading for the world right now. 2,475,440 cases, excuse me, 2,475,440 cases, 170,069 deaths. Death rate of 6.87%. It's been hovering around there for the last four days, so it's been kind of leveling off a little bit. And the growth rate, day-by-day uh, -day growth rate for fatalities, 3.1%. It's the lowest that uh, we've seen since all of this started, and it's been that way it's at 3.1% for the second day in a row. So that shows signs of, uh, uh, of a really nice uh, a slowdown in the rate of growth of, of fatalities. For the United States, the numbers are 789,383 cases, 42,303 fatalities for a death rate of 5.36%, which continues to go up. And a growth rate in the in the fatalities day over day of 4.3%, which is up from 4% yesterday, which was the lowest that we've seen since this crisis began. Uh, now, so so we are seeing signs of of slowing down in the rate of growth of of fatalities. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, another thing I wanted to share was that I was looking at. A website last night. This is uh, I live in Minnesota, so Minnesota has some uh, a dashboard of all kinds of data and maps and everything. Uh, this I'm not sure where this comes from, but this this is a I'm, I'm referring to a world map of the breakout of the coronavirus, and it's kind of neat because it shows day by day how many cases there are, how many confirmed cases. How many active cases, how many confirmed cases, how many deaths, and how many recoveries. And you can just hit the play button. You can watch the pandemic as it spreads. So, of course, it, it started in China. It started in Hubei province, Wuhan, China. And so it started there. And then it broke out, and it jumped to other countries. And then as the whole rest of the globe started turning more and more red, which is means more and more cases... A funny thing happened. The uh, the map for China ended up going more orange and brown and close to white. In other words, as the pandemic spread to more and more countries, China's numbers were looking better relative to everybody else. Now, how in the world can this be? How in the world could you have Russia and India and Mongolia and obviously the United Kingdom and, of course, Italy, Spain and France and, of course, the United States? All of these countries all over the world getting way more cases and way more fatalities than the place where it originated. Does anybody really believe that that is the case? Does anybody really believe that that's the case? I obviously, by the tone of my voice, do not. So that just tells you that anything that comes out of China right now is to be basically not believed. And whether it be number of cases, number of fatalities, how well their economy is doing, the origination of the, of the virus, what, what they did to clamp it down, 
who's to blame, anything. Don't trust China on anything. And if there's anybody from China listening, I'm sorry, but my my podcast is no bluster, no, no bias, no bull. I'm not being biased, biased on China. All I'm doing is looking at the data, and the data looks incredibly suspect. So that's what I wanted to say about that. And another thing I wanted to share about uh, coronavirus is uh, that my alma mater, the University of Minnesota, pull this up here, University of Minnesota, is asking for $20 million from the state, well, from anybody really. (laughs) They're looking for $20 million in state funding so that they can ramp up their testing. Their their goal is to get up to 10,000 people per day for the coronavirus and another 10,000 per day for the presence of antibodies, which both of which people say are necessary before we can open things back up again. Uh, our governor has said he would like to see 35,000 people per day tested before he opens up the economy, which is going to be a while, and I'm not so certain. I'm not so certain we're going to be able to get to that point before things start unraveling from a social perspective in terms of people wanting and needing to get back to their daily lives their jobs, their businesses, their families, their friends, and all of that. So we have an incredibly difficult situation on our hands trying to determine what's the best thing to do based on the health risks, what's the best thing to do based on economic risks, and what's the best thing to do based on social and societal and social and mental health risks. So many, many moving factors, many, many moving uh, things that we have to worry about, and that's what's making this also incredibly complicated. And what's making it worse is that we have a situation with a virus that is acting unlike any virus we've seen in recent history. So it's it's tough to forecast the virus, but we're also in a situation where our economic um, situation is unlike anything we've seen in recent history, if ever. So it's incredibly difficult to forecast the economy. So if on the one hand you have health experts coming out and saying, well, this is what's going on with the with the, the virus, this is why we need to do such and such, and then you will have economists come back saying, well, our forecast is, is saying such and such is going to happen with the economy. Unfortunately, neither side can have a whole lot of certainty on uh, you know, what's the best thing to do because the models are so all over the place, both for, for the virus and for the economy, that you know, neither side has has the winning argument right now, is what I'm trying to say. You can't say that the health experts are more correct, and you can't say that the economy, ec- economy experts are more correct. Both sides are dealing with a tremendous amount of uncertainty, and that is what's leading to a lot of tension, both at the national and state level, and, of course, the global level. Okay, so that's what I wanted to say about that. And one other thing I wanted to say is, well... Uh, Facebook is now coming out and saying that they are going to ban any kind of promotion of protests. There are a lot of people and more and more people that are uh, protesting not only here in the United States but all over the world, uh, protesting that they want their lives back, they need their jobs back, they need their businesses back before they lose them for good. Um, So there's an awful lot of social angst out there, and Facebook is saying, look, if you're going to go out and protest, make sure that you do it. Uh, based on, you know, you're adhere to social distancing distancing measures. But if you're not going to adhere to those measures, we're not going to let you promote your your uh, protest on Facebook. So there are two sides to this argument. 
Again, two very uh, distinct competing sides right now. All I'm going to say about that is, I don't know how to say this without being biased, but it's very, very dangerous to, uh, especially here in the United States, that is based on the First Amendment of uh, the right to free speech. It's very dangerous to go down this path because now you're basically starting to go down the path of state um, control of speech. And that is not good. And if, if that continues much longer, that is going to be another uh, match lighting another part of the fire that is slowly building right now in terms of social cohesion and social anxiety. So I'm concerned about that too. Now, as if all of this weren't enough, I wanted to take a, a brief moment here to say that I've known that this virus is deadly. I've known that the health, ex the health risks are very, very high and very, very real. I've also known as an economist that the economic impacts of this are, are uh, devastating right now and could be even worse. We are looking at a Great Depression if we don't get our economy back up moving very soon. We could get to a point where we might not even have enough money to get the economy running again because so many businesses will be out of business or so many people will be laid off and then their skills will start to atrophy and they won't be able to find jobs. It's going to be massive dislocation in the labor market when people finally do come back to work because a lot of people are going to have permanent job loss or permanent business loss. So there's going to be a massive supply of labor coming back onto the market. I understand all of that. But what I wanted to say is that it has now hit home for me. I am now part of the club of people that can say, I do know somebody who has died from this virus. And that person is very close to me, very close to my family, a very close relative. I don't want to say any more because I've been asked by the family not to say much, but yeah, it hit home. And so we have to remember that not only from the coronavirus, but also from the economic impacts of this, these are real people losing their lives. These are real people losing loved ones. These are real people losing jobs. These are real people losing businesses and real people losing their retirement accounts and their savings accounts. And yes, there are real people that are, um, shall we say, struggling with things like mental health and addiction and possibly suicidal thoughts. These are real people on both sides of the argument. I don't necessarily know, well, I'm just, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm just going to leave it there at, uh, on that point. Okay, after all of that fantastic news, I'm going to switch over to what I hope will help people, which is my sixth tip of how to stay sane during unemployment. Boy, I don't know. 
might be getting harder and harder for a lot of people. Uh, I'm sure it is. But my sixth tip for staying sane during unemployment falls under the first commandment of be thankful for everything you have, gratitude. And the sixth tip is be thankful for having a shower, a bath, and a bathroom. I'm assuming the vast majority of people out there listening to this have those things. If not, then um, I'm sorry that that's the situation. And uh, I wish the best for you. But if you do have a shower, a bath, and a bathroom, be thankful. Because like I just said, there are some people out there in the world, many people, probably billions of people who don't have a shower, bath, or bathroom in some of these poorer countries. But be thankful that you have the ability to bathe yourself, keep yourself healthy, and to uh, do the things you need to do to keep yourself healthy. I'll just leave it at that. But yes, there are, not only are there a lot of people around the world who don't have these things, but in the places where people don't have these things, uh, if it hasn't hit yet, there's a very good chance that the virus will hit those countries. And when it does... Boy, oh boy, if we're struggling in the United States, well, some people say we're struggling, some people say we're not. Some people say we're struggling in some areas, some people say it's not so bad in other areas, but if it's as bad of a crisis as it is in the United States and, say, United Kingdom and Italy where there's, you know, good healthcare systems, I can imagine what this is going to mean for Africa or some other, uh, uh, maybe India some places where they don't have a very good healthcare system and they don't have necessarily the funds to prop it up or to prop up their economy. Keep those people in your thoughts and prayers. So that's the last thing I have to say today. Again, I have a feedback link on my website for this podcast. My website is www.edcashmark.com. That's E-D-K-A-S-H-M-A-R-E-K.com. Please spread the word about my podcast, family, friends, neighbors, and relatives. Let them all know that this is a good place that, that you, they can come for a quick update on the economy, the coronavirus, and tips to stay sane during unemployment. This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Stay safe, stay sane. Thanks for listening, and have a good rest of your day.